Welcome to the Amore Podcast. On this episode, I talk to Farnoosh Tarabi, a leading authority on personal finance. She's a sought-after speaker and best-selling author. Her latest book is entitled, When She Makes More, The Truth About Love and Life for a New Generation of Women. She also contributes to the Today Show and hosts her own award-winning podcast called So Money. She writes monthly for O, the Oprah Magazine, and hosts her own TV show titled Follow the Leader, which airs Wednesday nights at 10.30 on CNBC. Her work and advice has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Forbes, Time, Marie Claire, Glamour, Redbook, and USA Today. Farnoosh graduated from Penn State University with a degree in finance and international business. She also holds a master's from the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. She resides happily in Brooklyn with her husband and young son. Here's my conversation with Farnoosh Tarabi. Found yourself at 22, $30,000 in debt. So was that just from normal like school loan debt, life expenses, or was it just bad money management? And at what point did you say, okay, I want to make a change in my life? My debt was a combination of student loans and just bad credit card decisions, <laughs> not knowing really how to live within my means. And I don't know if I could have done anything differently. I'm living in New York, making, you know, a basic salary and uh, things are expensive. And, and I think I was in my 20s when uh, many of my friends are going out. I want to live up to the status of, you know, eating out, hanging out with my friends. And it, it added up. And I think for me, the moment when I realized things had to change. I think it was realizing two things. One was that I'm a financial reporter. That was actually my job. So I felt almost like uh, dishonest, you know, writing about personal finance and then having yeah. my own uh, struggles with it. I felt that it would be important for me to get a clean slate of uh, debt so that I would be able to, you know, talk, um, more authoritatively about, you know, how to get out of debt yourself. So that was one thing. And then the other was a personal story. My mom actually called me up one day and said, was just kind of talking about, you know, updates in the family. And she mentioned that one of our cousins had found himself in like sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. And she was floored and I was too. And um, the kicker was that the parents had bailed him out. And this was her sister who had bailed out her son in uh-huh. $60,000, $70,000 worth of credit card debt. My mother was beside herself and really telling me this story as a lesson to say, like, if this ever happens to you, we won't be there for you. You're my <laughs> mom and dad won't be there to bail you out. And I think that was a real wake up call for me uh, because I think credit card debt can be a really slippery slope. And it can become this vicious cycle. And I think that sometimes when we want to become financially healthy, it helps to feel accountable to someone other than ourselves. And in this case, it was I wanted to be accountable to my family. I didn't want to be an embarrassment or come begging one day for them to help me out. So that was a real wake up call. And of course, working in financial journalism, I felt it was a responsibility to not be in debt. And uh, was business something you always wanted to be involved in as a kid growing up? Or did you have some other sort of like dream or career aspirations? I don't think any kid grows up thinking I want to be a financial (laughs) journalist or a business reporter. But I mean, like having an interest in it? I think I was always interested in media and journalism and asking questions. I was always a really curious kid. I'm still a very curious person. And I also really liked connecting with people. I felt that one of my, I don't know, I guess I, I... 
for some reason, people just tell me things. I have this quality where I think um, people feel instantly at ease with me. They feel they can trust me and they go and tell me things that they may not tell others. And so I felt very fortunate in that. And um, I wanted to really, uh, you know, bring that, do good with that. And so I think journalism for me was very much um, a natural fit. And if you look back at growing up, I think I had all the, uh, the, pre- the prereqs for it, whether it was enjoying being around people, finding stories, being curious, not being shy. And with regards to financial journalism and business journalism, I think it was that I have this sort of left brain, right brain thing going on, right? So I have a very creative side, which is where the journalism stems from and the writing and the, and the, um, you know, the creativity with that. But then also I'm really right-brained, you know, so I like math, I'm interested in the stock market, I like to learn about economics, and I studied finance in college. And so for me, being able to marry those two skills and interests was uh, ideal. I didn't even know you could be a financial journalist when I first got interested in journalism. And then I started to explore, and it really only became um, its own kind of uh, vertical and its own niche, I would say in the nineties, really when CNBC was born, um, of course we covered business news, but it wasn't, it didn't really get as much attention and it wasn't this dedicated, um, vertical, this dedicated avenue of journalism until relatively recently. So I feel like it kind of was also good timing for me. And your show, your CNBC show, Follow the Leader, how did that concept come about? Did they approach you? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Well, of course I've always wanted to do a show like this, but no one listens to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, who am I, right? Like I, I, I can knock on a lot of doors and I can make a lot of noise, but ultimately if a network doesn't want to do something like that, they don't do it. But it guess the stars aligned and I was doing my own podcast version of this show more or less, you know, interviewing business visionaries, entrepreneurs about uh, life and work and money. And then this show idea was in development and I was brought into a meeting at CNBC primetime and we started talking and we um, really seemed to be on the same wavelength as far as, what we would do with a show like this. And I brought to the table a lot of expertise and insights and excitement and passion. I think, um, again, it was also good timing because the network actually was contemplating something in this, in this space. And that was just a collaboration, you know, that was awesome. And I think, you know, the show is, uh, amazing. I think everybody should, tune in because whether you are an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, have no interest in entrepreneurship, you're going to learn so much from this show about life, about work, about success, about um, what it means to be uh, respected and um, to be a leader. And and so, and it's fun, you know, you get to see people uh, behind the scenes with their guard down and it's unlike any other show that I've been a part of. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And uh, one thing the show does really well is their personal relationship uh, with their success and something probably you wouldn't get from just doing one interview with, with somebody. Did, did you find it difficult for them to open up or, um, or be so personal about their success and opening the doors to their company and, and you getting kind of full access of the whole, the whole operation and things that they probably haven't revealed before in any other interview or, 
or any aspect of their business? I think all the leaders initially were probably a little uncertain about the whole thing. You know, this was the first season. They're very brave. (laughs) And I think because we had 48 plus hours with them, it allowed for both of us, me and the leader, to go on a journey together. And I didn't expect that we were going to get everything in the first day. Sometimes you don't get anything until like the last hour because it really is about developing a relationship, developing a rapport and a trust in order to get more than just the canned answers and the press release answers. You want to really um, know who they are and have them feel comfortable and and, and, um, and willing to share with you. And I think that is something that builds up over time and, you know, it, it, relatively quick time. I mean, 48 hours still isn't that much time to, you know, talk about childhood and your feelings and cry and that did happen sometimes um but i think that is something that you know for me is a priority i want to make sure that the leaders feel welcomed and protected and secure and knowing that you know we're here because we first and foremost are amazed by them and we want to learn as much from them as possible this isn't a gotcha you know television show it's not undercover boss right (laughs) you know it's 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 really um, meant to be raw and real and personal and truthful, and and and, and it's it's born out of a pure admiration for these people and curiosity. And I think um, it's my job to really relay that in a way that that makes them feel at ease. And I'm happy to say that you know uh, we're all friends still, and everyone, even even Lior Cohen, whose episode was a bit volatile. You see him yell. You see him think that he's off camera, but he's really on camera. You know, he could have been really upset with the way that we produced it, but instead he was really happy. Actually, he thought that it was well done. He was admitted that he was a little apprehensive in the beginning and I could feel that, you know, he wasn't giving me full answers. He was trying to beat around the bush a little bit in the beginning, give me like kind of his spin on what he wanted to talk about. But after 48, 58 hours, you, you can, you know, it's, if, if I don't get it the first day, I ask it the next day and then the next day and the next hour. So I, I <laughs> I'm a little persistent like that. Yeah. So eventually they'll, they'll talk to you. Um, but I think the show does that quite Thank well. You. Uh, the, you know, the way you described it, you know, you're talking about the show. Do you have a favorite entrepreneur from the season? I know it's currently still airing. I get so. in so much trouble when I answer that question. Okay, I get in all right. so much trouble. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have favorite moments with all of them. Yeah. Um, personally, I would say I really re- admired Katya Beecham. Um, as a woman, too, I really related to her. She's a mom. I'm a mom. Our sons are the same age. And we're around the same age, she and I. And I just felt... Uh, so much respect for her because Birchbox, she's the founder, co-founder and CEO of Birchbox. I think that unlike a lot of other entrepreneurs that we profiled, she's going through a very tumultuous time in the company's history. She just recently laid off 15% of her staff and that's a hard call. And so we explored a lot of that in the episode, like a really real business decision that was pretty recent that still has some ramifications and repercussions and how do you deal with that, especially not to mention the fact that her co-CEO stepped down, so she went from having someone to really confide in to not having anybody really at that level to share in that leadership role. So I think um, 
to see her and she has so much dignity and grace and she really cares about the company and she makes hard decisions and she'll be the first to admit that, you know, it was emotional, but um, she loves what she's created and she's willing to sacrifice what she needs to sacrifice to see it succeed. And I think that is, to me, evidence that not everyone can be an entrepreneur. You know, I think entrepreneurs come from anywhere, but not anyone can be an entrepreneur. Um, it takes so much of you and and parts of you that you didn't know existed, you know, like you're, you're forced to, to use um, parts of your brain and your emotional IQ and your intelligence that you're stretched beyond limits and to be able to think on your feet and, and, and uh, you know, take the punches and roll with them. And that's hard. And of course, take the risks and all of that. But it's you have to at the very end of the day, really love what you're doing. And if you're if you're not, then, you know, life's too short, move on. And so to see people that have actually achieved that level and are doing things uh, their way and being successful, I think that's very admirable. Is there anybody that you haven't profiled yet this season or, or somebody that would be a dream of yours to interview or profile? I would love to interview Oprah Winfrey. I think <laughs> okay. that since I was a child, she was such a, a, like a constant voice in our household. And, um, I really admire her as a journalist, as a businesswoman, as a woman, as a human. I think she is remarkable. And I'm happy to say, too, that I just started to contribute to her magazine as a financial contributor every month. So I'm, I'm getting warmer to that, yeah. <laughs> to that goal one day, <laughs> hopefully soon. You're married and you have a young child, so I have to ask this question. Uh, who, han- who handles the finances in your own household? Is it you, your husband, uh, or is it kind of just shared duties? I think that... In every relationship, there's going to be one person who takes on the the, the majority of the decision making, not because they're controlling or um, micromanaging, but that's just because you know it, at the end of the day, one person is going to like to do it more than the other, or one person's more organized than the other. And in this relationship, that's me. Um, but that said, I'm really conscious of the fact that I don't want to be the one that's completely responsible because that's a lot of pressure. So I make sure that we have conversations regularly about money. Um, we have very open dialogue. We are very transparent about where the money is, what's coming in, what's going out. And we also have a financial advisor who helps to really level that fi- that playing field for us that keeps us accountable, that schedules the meetings. And so, um, you know, I, I would say I handle a lot of the sort of day-to-day billing and um, bill payment and things like that. I wrote a book about it. It's called When She Makes More, and I yeah. make more than my husband. So it's sort of my <laughs> my very, like, something I'm very, very passionate about is how women can be financial leaders in their relationships, but also at the same time feel like they have, they're in, they're in a team, that there is a, there is a, um, a back and forth, um, and that there's transparency communication. So that's kind of where we are right now in my marriage. Um, but I think it was cool is that if I ever said, you know what, I don't want to deal with the bill payments and all that, he could step in and it would be fine. A lot of our stuff's automatically paid off anyway, so no one's really like writing a check every month anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how times have changed, you know? Yeah. You have the books, you have the podcast, the TV show, you write the column. Uh, what do you do to unwind or get away from it all? Well, you know, I'm 
I got a son who's uh, almost two years old, and my husband and I, we, the three of us, you know, we live in Brooklyn, and we just really, really are protective of our weekends, and we try not to overschedule on the weekends. We try not to schedule anything on the weekends, and that the weekends are just time for us to relax, walk around the neighborhood, um, you know, go play in the park, especially now the weather's getting nice, and that's kind of how we to keep it real, you know, and, and we live purposely in Brooklyn because there's a calm here and the community is really great and it's not as crazy and high strung as Manhattan. So we feel that when we come home, we're really able to unwind and that keeps us, you know, relatively, um, at peace with the work-life balance. But, you know, we also make sure to have vacations. We spend time with family and um, sometimes, you know, simple things like letting me sleep in on a Saturday morning. My husband, you know, <laughs> if I've had a hard week, he doesn't let me, he doesn't let, you know, in, insist that I get out of bed until like 10 o'clock, which is really nice. Uh, well, cool. Farnoosh, thanks so much for doing this, and I appreciate it. And best of luck to you with your TV show and, and all your future success. Thank you so much for having me. And if anybody wants to catch an episode, we have all the full episodes at followtheleader.cnbcprime.com. That was Farnoosh Tarabi. To check out more on Farnoosh, you can visit her website at farnoosh.tv. You can also listen to her podcast, So Money, at podcast.farnoosh.tv. You can like her on Facebook at Farnoosh Tarabi and follow her on Twitter at Farnoosh. Her new show, Follow the Leader, airs Wednesday nights at 1030 on CNBC. Until next time, this is the Amore Podcast here on amorepodcast.com 